0: Amen. Thank you. Thank you, praise team. Thank you, Lord, for his goodness and grace. And thank the Lord for the kids in our church. Amen. We have a worship service available for kids up to third grade. Uh, you can see Miss Renee and her team there in the lobby. And we're going to go ahead and dismiss you now. And let's give them a good uh, welcome to church. We do that? Amen. I want you to take your Bible, if you have it this morning, and join me in Luke chapter 2. And I I want you to just bow your heads as we go to the Lord in prayer, as we open his precious word. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for the privilege that we have this morning. We recognize that there are places all over the world where folks would love and are praying that they would get a Bible. And yet we have one right here on this Sunday where we can open without the threat of someone coming in and taking it away from us. So, God, I praise you for who you are. Thank you for this wonderful singing and worship. Help us now worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to preach this morning on the theme of expectations. Yesterday at our house, we had the Jackson Christmas, and when I say the Jackson Christmas, my mom and dad, Sheila and her family, our kids came, so we had we had my extended family here in Camden yesterday. After uh, the kids opened their gifts, uh, I had bought a pack of fifty basketball cards, fifty NBA basketball cards, and told the four boys we're going to have a blind draw, meaning I'm going to draw them right from the top of the deck, starting from the uh, oldest to youngest, or youngest to oldest, and. Whatever it comes off the deck is the card you get. Are you with me so far? It was fun. Um, one of the boys drew Desmond Bain, who's from Richmond, Indiana, that plays for the Memphis Grizzlies. That was a big one. Luka Doncic for the Dallas Mavericks, that was a big one. And they had a lot of fun. Well, when we finished, each of them got, uh, each of them got 12 cards, 48 cards, two extras. When they finished, I went into the bedroom, opened my album, and pulled out four cards. And said, boys, we're gonna have a blind draw of these four cards. They said, okay, they were excited. They didn't know what was coming. The first one taken off the top of the deck was Michael Jordan. The second was Pistol Pete Maravich. The third was another, uh, another card of Jordan, and the fourth was Larry Bird. Now, here's what I told the boys. You can trade those first 12 however you want to, but don't you dare trade this, this special card. That's a little bit like Christmas. What do you mean? We, we spend the 12 days at Christmas. We do all the fun stuff of Christmas, and we get the, dealt, um, the deck dealt to us. But when it comes to Jesus, he's always better than what the first was. And the expectation at Christmas is not just the joy and the sounds and the excitement and the fun and all of the good stuff that we enjoy. Folks, it really comes down to Jesus. And when he's not an afterthought, and when he's not a a second thought of the celebration, and when he's not an afterthought of the worship and everything that we do as a church, when he is the main thing, it's always better than the buildup. You've been to places where the buildup's been better than the place. Let me give you a few of those. Ghost town in the sky, Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Don't, some of you don't even wanna laugh because you've been there. Um, you've been on the beach vacation when the motel wasn't quite what you thought it would be once you got there. You've been somewhere where it's rained the whole trip that you planned for a year. Does anybody wanna say man, This is good therapy for us right here. Listen, but when it comes to Jesus, he always lives up to the expectation. And that first Christmas was no afterthought. Verse 8, chapter 2. Now there were in the same country shepherds. If you have a pen, circle the word same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and The glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace Good will toward man. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Expectations. Now, when you look at this precious story. When you look at verses 8 through 20, there are some things that you cannot get away from. The Bible says they were in the same country. In the Holy Land, there's a place called the Shepherd's Field just outside of Bethlehem. Many believe this was the field where most likely the shepherds heard from God. I want to remind you this morning that as born-again Christians, you and I can hear from God anywhere. He can speak to us on a field. He can speak to us at work. He can speak to us in a hospital room or a nursing home. The Holy Spirit of God wants to speak to hearts again this Christmas. The Bible says they were in the same country. Listen to me. They were close. They were close. Some of you are here today, and you're close, but you're not saved. Well, Brother Greg, I'm in church on Christmas Sunday. Amen. God bless all of you for being here. Brother Greg, uh, I, I believe that the Christmas story is true. Amen. But folks, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and you know the truth, you can be close but still lost. I was that way. What do you mean? I was a church kid. Listen to me, youth. I was just like you. I was in church whenever we had it, and and many people would think I was a Christian, but I always knew in my heart that something wasn't right. Don't be close this Christmas. Don't be close this Christmas. Be all in. Be all in. That's what Christ wants to do. The Bible says they were close. They were in the same country. They were shepherds living out in the field, they were the same kind of people doing the same job, normal security at night, and then boom. Life is forever changed. They're the first to hear on earth, he's here. A savior is born. Someone that could change your life. Uh, there's somebody on Twitter every now and then, that will we'll put out something like this. Retweet this and win a million dollars. Well, I think I'll just retweet that and win a million dollars. That guy's not going to change my life. Anybody want to say amen? As a matter of fact, folks that win often say they wish they wouldn't have because money ruined their life. If you're here today thinking that you need a better job so you can just make more money, I'm telling you money's not the answer you're looking for. If you're here today and thinking once I get this degree, I'll really feel like I've arrived, there's nothing you can hang on your wall that will bring you contentment. What you're looking for is a relationship in Christ, amen? So you high school kids and college kids continue to pursue excellence, but make sure you understand something that the end of the line isn't when you graduate, it's just the beginning because God's got a whole big life for you to live for him. It was a normal night. They were in the same country. How could something this wonderful be so close? Why did he come? If you're following along with me, jot this down right off the bat. It is not uncommon for God to shake up your plans. It is not uncommon for God to shake up your plans. Why did he come? Luke 19.10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, we've mentioned this before. If you're old, you know what I'm talking about. A state farm road atlas about this big. Anybody want to admit you have one? Okay, I have one. I was in the back of the car the other day and I thought this is just taking up space. Should I pitch it? Absolutely not. Why? Because that State Farm Road Atlas will not lose its battery charge. Somebody say amen. Hey, young people, listen. There, Listen, we were cool way before you were. No, no, Listen. You know you can count on the directions and the instructions, and it would be there when you went for it, when you went to it. If we're lost, if Jesus came on this mission to seek and to save that which is lost, listen, if you're lost, then there has to be some place you're supposed to be. You're not lost if you're not going anywhere. And guess what? The place we're supposed to be is where God wants us, and that's in a relationship with him and heaven would be our home he came so that you and I could have peace and have hope and have salvation in a moment the ordinary became supernatural in a moment and i'm telling you when you do business with god if your heart is sincere god can change your life in a split second i don't i don't think we believe that anymore I'm telling you, God wants to do works in people's lives and you have to come to the end of yourself and saying, I can't do it. I've made all these plans and God says, I'm just gonna shake up your plans a little bit and show you what wonderful really looks like. Write this down somewhere. There's no life in this building, there's no life in this room right now that is too simple for God to touch. He touched the shepherds. I saw a t-shirt this morning that said, I'm I'm the hundredth sheep. I'm the one hundredth sheep. What's that about? If there were 99 and and one was lost, would not he go after the one? No life is too simple or no life is too sinful that Christ can't touch. You might be here today and say, Brother Greg, I've blown it. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the Greg Jackson Club. We're all going to blow it. There's a bunch of good people in this church, but I want to tell you the folks in First Camden know you're not going to heaven because you come to this church. We're only going to heaven by way of the cross of Calvary and Jesus Christ. Amen? Thank the Lord he did it, and he didn't leave it up to me to gain it. If he did, I would go to bed every night wondering, did I do enough? And then I would go to bed wondering, did I do enough bad to lose it? I'm not going to heaven holding on by a thread. I'm going to heaven by way of a bridge that was built with two pieces of wood and three nails, the cross of Calvary. Here's another thing you see as he approaches these simple shepherds through this angelic message, this heavenly message. God will always ask for a response. That's why we give an invitation. At the end of the service, in just a few minutes, I'll give an invitation. I don't give an invitation to embarrass you. I don't give an invitation uh, for somebody to come forward today and, and think, well, Everett, the church is gonna think my life's messed up. We give an invitation to respond to what God wants you to do. For instance, some of you need to give your life to Christ. You need to be saved. Quit playing around. You say, Brother Greg, I've got a lot of life to live. Folks, we're bearing people Uh, more than I've seen in my entire ministry as your pastor. There's no guarantee of tomorrow, but there's certainly a guarantee of eternity, and everybody's going somewhere when you die. Your, Your decision is where you're going. So this wonderful Savior comes in the form of a baby to give us hope and to give us direction to save us from hell, that heaven will be our home one day. That's the good news of the gospel, and he always asks for a response. You know, when you say "Amen," you know what that means? We agree. Amen, we agree with you. We agree with you. And, and when we say "Amen" to the message of the gospel, when we say "Amen" to the message of God in our heart, we're saying, "God, we agree with you. I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved." So God speaks. He speaks through people. Now, people sound differently, don't they? Uh, d- did you enjoy this ensemble? Uh, Brad and Tim and, and really Landon and Kasia and Marcia and Marilyn and Amanda and Caitlin. Is there anybody else? And Nathan, man, they were all playing, singing their part. And I don't know if you heard Brad standing here, but he was kind of making that percussion. And then he broke into this high tenor lead. And Tim obviously has developed laryngitis on the job site. We've all just was down here everybody's singing a song, everybody's singing their part, listen to me, Jesus came to die for you and me, we're all different, we all sound different, we all look different, but it's the same gospel and the same Savior, and you have to come to him the same way, now you've heard people say this, well after all preacher, uh, aren't we all trying to get to the same place, I'm not trying to get anywhere, Jesus saved so that I could go because of him, well, after all, we're, we all get there by the same, no, we, have, we get to heaven the same way, only through Christ. But man, there are a bunch of different roads that people are on this morning, come from different places, different backgrounds, different beliefs, and then you come to Christ and you all have to rally around one truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, truth and the life. He, he speaks through people. He speaks through circumstances. You know, sometimes circumstances push people away from God get mad at God, get mad at the preacher, get mad at the church, get mad at people in the church. I'm not going. I'm done with with church. I want to tell you something. You need the body of Christ. And what COVID has done has tried to divide it, and the devil has used it. What do you mean divided? Well, he divides us over whether we got a shot or didn't get a shot. Let me just remind you as a church that's your decision and my decision leave other people alone. Anybody want to say amen? That's a personal decision. I'm not going to heaven whether I'm vaccined or not vaccined. I'm going to heaven because of Jesus. So that's a decision that a person has to make. And I'm going to respect that, and you are too. And if I hear you're not, you're going to hear from me because I believe I pastor a church that loves each other. Anybody want to say amen? Now, brothers and sisters, they fight from time to time, Sheila reminded me yesterday that once I got so mad at her, I was running after her on Canary Court in Dayton. She had strung up a little clothesline for her dolls and hit me right here. Knocked me off of my feet. I mean, just floored me. And I got up madder than I've ever been. And she goes, you're not over that. And I said, no, I'm not over that. He uses people, he uses circumstances. Listen, he doesn't want to use circumstances to push you away from him. He uses them, listen, to draw you back to him. Man, I look at some of you, buried your kids, have said goodbye to a spouse early, watched your parents suffer for a long time. buried your brothers and sisters. See Mark Cottle sitting right here on the front row, stand up here and read an advent when they said that you better get to Columbus, he's not gonna make it. God's in control. God's in control. And I'm telling you, when you surrender to God and just say, okay, Lord, we're gonna go your way and do what you want to do, you're gonna understand some things in life. It's not uncommon for God to shake it up. Number two, verse nine And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. So the glory of the Lord brought fear. And the angel had to remind them, Don't be afraid. I like King James better here fear not. Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, listen, which shall be to all people. All people. That relative that you think's never going to get it and come to Christ, Jesus came for them. That neighbor that can't understand why you come to church or why you worship and why you do what you do, Jesus came for them. The person you see on television that doesn't have a clue sometimes, he came for them. I'm no better than anybody else. He came for us all. Here's what I see in this passage. We have to have a healthy fear of God. And we've lost the fear of God in America. You say, wait a minute, Brother Greg. No, we haven't. Listen to me. We've lost the fear of God in the church. We act like we can live however we want to when we leave this place and do whatever we want, and it doesn't make any difference. Folks, let me tell you something. If there's sin in your life, it affects this church. If there's sin in my life, it affects the church. Why in the world should we think that God would send revival if there's sin in our hearts? What does the Holy Spirit do when there's a healthy fear of God? He convicts us of sin. I'm a sinner. That's where you begin. What else does He do? I was wrong. I'm telling you some of the most liberating things that can happen in a person's life is when you just stop and say, I don't know why I did that. I was wrong. I don't know why I said that. I was wrong. Here's another thing the Holy Spirit does. He helps us to ask for forgiveness, and he helps us to forgive. Amen? Sometimes you might be here today, and you're saying, Brother Greg, what happened to me I'll never be able to forgive them. In the darkness of that hurt, there is still a God big enough to help you move forward. And I realize in a crowd like this, man, there's been a lot of hurt. But in the darkness of it, there is a God who is big enough to help me move forward. And I believe when God helps us move forward, we recognize who we were before Christ, and we see who we can be in Christ. Amen? They were greatly afraid. Your, your translation may say sore afraid. Sometimes fear keeps us from doing nothing. Sometimes fear keeps us from moving forward. The Bible says in Matthew ten twenty eight. Don't fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. From the cross of Calvary, Luke 23, one thief continually reviled Christ. The other said, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1, Therefore having these promises beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Paul writes in Ephesians 5:21 submitting to one another in the fear of God. A healthy fear of God. It's not just a message to be put on the church sign outside. It's not just a cute post on your social media accounts. It's not a season that is celebrated and then it's over. It's not a service you attend and then you walk away from it. It's not a card you read and then file not to be read again. The miracle of Christmas is that Jesus came and he came for you. We are called to have a healthy fear of God. Number three, verse 10, when he said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, glad tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. In the Christmas story, glad tidings lead to great joy. The message of salvation, the message of hope is here. You know, some of you today, you just need a little hope. You just need a little hope. My last dentist appointment, when they were scheduling the one for 2022, they said, we just need to let you know that if it's okay, we're going to take full x-rays next time. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm 60 years old. I know what that means. You're just drumming up business. You're just looking for trouble. You're going to tell me something I don't know. Let me tell you something, folks. You'll never be any more mortal than you are when you have a, an x-ray. Because you're not sure what's on the inside. There was a little boy when when Renee and I were, our first teaching job together was in junior high boys Sunday school. And there was a boy uh, named Jeff Storist who was born with a hole in his heart. And he had surgery uh, right after birth and they they continually had to go to Columbus, I believe, where they went to the doctor. And uh, Those follow-up visits, uh, as he became a little boy, he was concerned that the doctor would still see a hole, and he was concerned that Jesus had gotten out of his heart. I love that. We got to remind him that once he comes in, he stays, amen? That he stays. You see, the miracle is that he came for all. Glad tidings lead to great joy. Glad tidings lead to great joy. That's why worship should never be dull. That's why it should never be boring. Because glad tidings have come. And the Bible says, their response indicates their heart. Let me read... Verse 10, or the bottom. I bring you good tidings, of great joy, which should be to all people. Verse 11, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. Number four, God gives clear instruction on how to find him. God gives clear instructions on how to find him. He did it then, and he does it now. Uh, the Magi, uh, recently a preacher uh, sent a kind of a poll out to some of his friends and he said, guys, how long did it take the magi to get to Jesus? Well, most would say that he was not a, a, a baby baby now by this point, maybe two years. It may have taken them two years to get there. What did God give them? Clear instructions. What were the instructions? Follow the star. And, and by the way, you study the stars And you know the star is different. Follow the star. And to the shepherds, he says, you will find a sign, you'll find a babe wrapped on swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. You know, God has always given good instructions on how to get to him. The Bible says in Romans chapter one, verse 20, for since creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, listen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Romans tells us that creation testifies to who God is. The Bible says in Job chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, But now ask the beast, and they'll teach you, and the birds of the air, they'll tell you, or speak to the earth, it'll teach you, and the fish of the sea will explain it to you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? The heavens declare in Psalm 19 the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. And aren't you glad that God not only revealed himself, then he continues to do it today. And he shows us how to get to him. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. You don't need a GPS and you don't need a State Farm Atlas to show you how to get to heaven. You come to God through a relationship with Christ, his precious son. That's what the Christmas stories all about. What was their response? Worship. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That's real worship. What does it look like, a multitude? What does it sound like, singing the same song with the heavenly host, praising God forever and ever? Those of you that have lost loved ones sitting here that knew Jesus as their Savior, they're experiencing a real Christmas. And I believe any Christian on the other side would not long to come back to this world. I believe all they would do is long for you to join them and come be with them forever. So God reassures them, fear not. And here's their response. Verse 15, so when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Number five, don't put off what you need to do. Why? Life is short. Eternity is real. So the Bible says they move. They come with haste, verse 16, and they find Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Folks, I have to believe that their presence encouraged Mary and Joseph as if God was now revealing his plan and confirming to them, see, I told you, I told you, trust me. I had to believe that their presence encouraged them and charged them with the call of God on their life. I have to believe that the presence of the shepherds calmed them in this lonely moment, maybe not knowing what the next step would be. And their life was forever changed. And now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it, verse 18, marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Wait a minute. The shepherds weren't the respected class of the day. Well, Jesus had changed their life. Their life would never be the same. They had encountered Christ. And he continues to change lives. Anybody want to say amen? He continues to change lives. They were witnesses. They simply shared what they had seen and what they had heard. And I'm telling you, when you do that as a Christian, expect great things. God is Faithful. God is faithful. So they get to the manger, and I close. And they see a swaddled Messiah lying in linen cloths, the Bible says. Swaddling cloths, wrapped. You know what it's like to wrap a a newborn. I didn't get that at the beginning of fatherhood, but I realized they were just boy, when you, when you wrap them and swaddle them where they can't really move is when they get comfortable. When you let them free, when you let them do their own thing, well, they're scratching your eyes out and, and doing it to themselves, hurting themselves. And, and isn't it interesting that their lying in a manger was the swaddled Messiah that one day would trade those cloths for temporary linen cloths in the tomb? John 20, Peter and John are running to the tomb. And John outruns Peter and came to the tomb first. And he's stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there in the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. And just as the shepherds came to the manger, proclaiming, we believe, Peter and John knelt at the tomb, proclaiming, he's alive. And brothers and sisters, listen to me. The Christmas message is incomplete if you stop at Bethlehem. Because that was the eternal king who went to Calvary and rose from the grave and lives in every believer's heart that's sitting here right now. Or anybody that's watching. Christ lives in you. And here's the good news. The story's not over. He's coming again. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Then quit living like you don't. Quit walking around tough conversations with people that don't know Christ. Well, I might push them away, Greg. Where are you going to push a lost person? Share in love and let the Holy Spirit do what he does best. You can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. God's the one who changes hearts. But if a person never hears or never knows, where are you going to push them? You're going to stand at a casket one day and say, with a broken heart, I wish I had to talk to them about Christ. Today's the day. Now's the time. And I'm telling you, I don't believe God wants this to be a normal Christmas for us. When when all we're talking about is getting back to normal. I don't know what any normal looks like anymore. Do you all? But I know one thing this whole story's never changed. Jesus is coming. We're, we're closer to his return than anybody in human history. Every, every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to stand. I'm simply gonna ask a question. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm gonna ask you not to get up and move around. I'm asking you a question right now. If you were to die, would, would heaven be your home? Do you know you're going to heaven? If you can't answer that question with peace in your heart, oh. Man, I invite you to come today and we're gonna have a prayer together right here.